0: Good morning, church. Wow, some of us woke up. That's cool. It's good to see the uh, "Be Fruitful and Multiply" life group here today. <laughs> Y'all find out about that later on if you're not new here. Uh, man, I go running to your arms. That's such an awesome, awesome song. And when I was sitting here watching all of the young parents with the kids, and and I think about my grandkids, you know, and. And my youngest grandchild is like 10 months old, so he's crawling he's, and he's pulling up. And he's getting possessive of his mom. But for a while there, I was the favorite, much to my wife's disenchantment. And I can talk about her today because she's in the nursery. And I'm trusting some of y'all not to throw me under the bus. And I would have talked more about her if I had remembered she was going to be in the nursery. I could have planned for it. Uh, Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9, or your electronic device. Uh, We've been going through the entire book of Hebrews, and and just as uh, previously on the episode of Hebrews, we've learned that this book has been written to the Hebrew people initially, uh, some of whom had gone all in and accepted Christ as their Savior, and some of those Hebrews had You know, dipped their toe in the water, so to speak, but hadn't really, you know, made the ultimate decision to go all in. And there was a faction of the Hebrews that that were in, but they still wanted to follow the the law. And as as we've talked about in the past, the law was handed down to Moses, and and there's like 600 of them. And we usually think about the law as the Big Ten, or the Ten Commandments, you know. But uh, it seems to me as I've studied this week and studied in the past few weeks and observing y'all, observing myself and and thinking about my past in the church, that people like rules. We we seem to not be able to get away from rules. And so the Hebrew people were like that too. They had their Ten Commandments and then like 600-something else other ones. And they took comfort in being able to check the box. And we talked about that last week, how... As Christians, we've sometimes become into a check-the-box kind of mentality. Okay, yeah, I read my Bible this week. I prayed this week. Uh, I gave to the church this week. I sang in the praise team this week. Uh, I was nice to somebody I usually mean to this week. you know. And we kind of have a checklist of things we can do to please God. Am I right? It may not be a conscious checklist, but at the end of the day or right after we do one of those things, we like to give ourselves an attaboy. Man, that was good. You know, I read my Bible. I read like... Four chapters. Four chapters, Dave. Four chapters, y'all. that didn't see it on the other side. I'm a little challenged sometimes with my fingers. And we like an Does Anybody here like to be complimented when they do a good job? Is it just me? Okay, some of y'all are just so self-confident, you don't care. That's awesome. Please see me after the church. I'd like some pointers. Because I'm the shy kind, you know, and I, I need... I need encouragement sometimes, but what I don't need is the encouragement sometimes. What I need to do is, is realize that God is enough, that Jesus is enough. And so when I was writing my notes, when I came here this morning, I had this many notes. I, I've read it repeatedly. I've listened to some sermons on it. I've looked in my commentaries, and... And the thing I wrote down this morning well, during the prayer service was, I trust you, God. So we're going to trust God for this one today. So turn with me to chapter 9, verse 24, and we're going to just break this down and see where it leads us. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, but which are copies of the true things. Copy of a true thing. So, what's a copy? It's not the true thing. Uh, on my phone, I have photographs, pictures of my wife, of my kids, of my grandkids. I've got pictures of places we've been that are really cool. And I looked yesterday at some pictures we took in Alaska Three years ago, when we were up there, when it was like 65 or 70 degrees, and I looked at that picture, and there's the glaciers behind us, and I remember it being cold, but guess what? I didn't get any colder looking at that picture. I was still just as hot in my house looking at that picture as I was not looking at the picture. That was a copy of the real thing. Had I been there, I would have experienced the clarity of the beauty of the mountains and the glaciers around there. I would have experienced the beauty and the clarity of the water and the wildlife swimming in it. I would have enjoyed the smell that was there. And it would have been the crystal clear vision of everything there. And it's a good picture. But it didn't give me any of those things I could see in person. So what the law is, is a copy. It's a, it's a vision of the things that were coming with the coming of Christ. You know, with me on that? Christ is the real deal. Jesus is the real deal. The law is just pointing to the way. It's pointing to the way and the things that were going to be after Jesus came. You know, with me on that? You can say amen. All right. Got to work on one side of this church. (laughs) Verse 25. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood, not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once. I got it right this time. Once and for all. At the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of who? Awesome. In the old days, in the old law, the priest, they had daily offerings of sacrifice for miscellaneous sins, I would call them. But it, once a year, the priest would go through a big cleansing process, and they would do some animal sacrifices. And they would have a bowl full of blood, and the high priest, only the high priest, no other, would go into the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelt, and he would make that sacrifice. And meanwhile, the people are waiting out in the courtyard, anxiously waiting for him to present the sacrifice for their sins for the entire year. And when he came out, he didn't come out like he did when he went in. He went in wearing these white robes, kind of plain. And when he comes out, before he comes out to meet the people, he's got the full royal type regalia on. That means lots of fancy clothes and the people rejoice, they dance, they're clapping their hands because they feel like their sins have been washed away. They've been taught that by the offering of this sacrifice, they will be clean. The thing is, there's another day coming, and we'll get to that. So, where were we? Verse 26, For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world, but as it is, he has appeared once and for all. Jesus came once. Once, to suffer and die once for us, for all time, from the foundation of the world. That means from the beginning, from the beginning, till the end. He did not. He did not have to come down and get punished repeatedly. He did not have to get get beaten repeatedly. He did not have to get the crown of thorns repeatedly. He did not have to get nailed. In the hands and feet repeatedly. He didn't have to get the sword in the side repeatedly. Once and for all. He suffered it once. And then he was done. He said his last words. It is finished. Verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. So Christ having been offered once. To bear the sins of many. Will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin. But to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. At one time y'all. One time was all it took. And we as a church, we as people, have this terrible, terrible habit of digging up our mess over and over and over again. Jesus died for those sins. When we came to the altar, when we came to him and said, Yes, Jesus, I recognize I was a sinner. I am a sinner. And please forgive me these things. I don't want to do that no more. And I want you to come into my heart and cleanse me from the inside out. And Jesus says, okay, I will do that. You let me be in, in there. You let me be a part of it. And he takes care of it. But what the enemy does is we go out, and, you know, we're all cool and good here on Sunday morning, but we'll go out Monday. And maybe we might be okay until 9, 10, 11 o'clock, or 12 o'clock, but somebody's gonna cut me off in traffic. Or some, you know, somebody's gonna do something that's gonna, you know, step on my last nerve, and I'm gonna forget my. Transformational process for a minute. Now, how many get uh, bad thoughts from time to time? Good, good, good. Man, this is a spiritual bunch over on this side. Y'all need to sit over here. Some stinking thinking some people call it. We get we the church. We're we're like we're like people that have. You know, we wake up and we're in the bottom of a big well. Picture it, not a, not a drilled well, but a big hand-dug well. And it's dark, and, and, and from day to day, we don't know what it's like, you know. It's, we want out. And this is how the lost world is, and this is how sometimes the church is. The church, we keep falling back into the well, but we're in the well, and we, and, and we think we're supposed to like it in the well because we've always been in the well. It's always been dark. It's always been kind of dirty on the sides. And we're used to that, but we don't like it. Something's not right about living in a well. Can you all visualize that a little bit? And what we find is the the light of Jesus will shine down into that well. And when the light of Jesus shines down to the light of that well, be it from somebody we know, a sermon, a song, or something, you know, the Holy Spirit's always searching for the lost. And when that light comes down the well, we can say, hey, there's something else up there. And then we look and there's a rope there. And that rope is Jesus. And Jesus is the winch also that can pull us up. But sometimes when we're down in the well, we'll say, hey, hey, hey. And then somebody walk by and say, hey, what's wrong with you down there? I said, I'm stuck in this well. What do I do? And then it's like somebody just writes out a little bit and drops the paper down in the well. And you pick it up and it says, ten rules for not falling in a well. That's the Ten Commandments. We're already in the well. What we've got to do is use the rope that Jesus has provided for us. you know, with me on that? The rope is there and we won't grab a hold of it. Or sometimes we'll we'll get out and we'll start walking too close to the well again due to circumstances because life hits us full speed ahead every single day. And then we get closer and closer to the edge, and we're thinking, you know, I can do this by myself. I don't I don't need to get up and go to church today. I don't, I don't need to read my Bible this morning. Uh, there's lots of people there. I don't need to write my check, or I don't need to take my kids to, to Sunday school or children's church. And just this once won't hurt. And then just this once goes into, well, one more time, that's not going to hurt. And the next thing you know, we are not only on the edge, but we have slipped back into the well again. And we have forgotten how we got out of it in the first place. And it's always there to grab a hold of. Jesus is always there to grab a hold of. On the other hand, and that's really how it is with the law. If we're not really all in with Jesus, we don't realize that when He came into our hearts, that's a transformational process. He's changing us from the inside out. And He'll change us to the extent that we allow change. He'll change us to the extent that we allow change. So, typically when we come to Jesus, you know, it's, we're desperate. God, I can't live like this anymore. I'll do whatever it takes. And then healing comes. Jesus comes into our hearts. And then one of the biggest failings of the church is we don't have somebody say, hey, yes, you've accepted Jesus into your heart. Let me show you how to walk through this path so you don't get close to the well again. So that you don't fall into this well again. And we haven't been doing that the way we should be doing it. Every man in this room that professes to be a a follower of Christ should have one other man that he's walking with at least. Where y'all can know each other deeply enough that you can share the problems that life is showing at you. Where you can share the victories that life is throwing at you. In the same way for you ladies. And when we have those kinds of relationships with men sharpening each other as iron sharpens iron, as you ladies sharpen each other, then you become better people, you become better Christians, you become better parents, you become better grandparents, you become better brothers, you become better sisters, and you become the example that the people in the world sees there's something different about that person. And I don't know what it is, but I want some of that. This This is not a program. This is a way of life that's supposed to be attractive. We don't need to be the frozen chosen. We don't need to be grouchy all the time. We need to realize that this Jesus is there, and we need to look at him. We need to go running to his arms. No other name but Jesus. And when the world tells us the lies, and there's a lot of them. They've been telling us lies forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, 200 years, you know, if you got sick, they'd just cut you and bleed you out for a little while. That's science, isn't it? Or someone say, hey, let's put these leeches on you. You'll feel all better in the morning. Take two leeches. Call me in the morning. I'm kind of like, I am really seriously getting to the point where I'm not going to believe in science if it's not in here. If it can't be backed up by scripture, I'm going to say, well, I'm not too sure about that. We'll wait. I can wait 100 years. I won't be around to see the 100 years. But I can wait to see what's proved out. But so far for a couple thousand years, this has proved out pretty good. This has transformed the lives of countless people. We should proceed because they only gave me two hours. Verse 10. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. No matter what we do, no matter how many boxes we check, no matter all the works that we do that we think are pleasing God, God don't need that. What he wants to do is inhabit us and change us from the inside out. Essentially, we are a spiritual being. Not a human being. We're a spiritual being in a human body. We're a spiritual being on a physical journey. And this is one of the reasons we think we're so comfortable in the well or we realize that the well is not not all that and then some, is because there's, there's a war going on between our spirit and the world. And the world is trying to win on every single front. Uh, you got your iPhones or your other Brand X. Uh, you got the TV. You got the movies. You got Hollywood. You've got Washington. You've got the world throwing all this stuff at us all the time and trying to whittle us down to, to make it Christianity light, so to speak. And, and to the point where it's okay, yes, I'll go to church on Sunday. Check the box. I'll send some money and check the box. And, and we know all the things we do that we think are pleasing to God. But our verse last week is what God wants is, is a contrite heart. He wants a repentant heart. He wants us to recognize that I can't do it by myself. I can't do anything by myself. I have to, to depend 100% on God. And I have to surrender my entire life to God. If I want to live to be a successful kingdom-type person... Christian, Jesus freak, whatever you want to call us, if I want to do that, then I've got to surrender it all. I can't just say, God, I'm going to give you my job and I'm going to give you 20 hours of the day, especially the four I'm sleeping, you know, you can have another four and this, this, and this, and this. But we always seem to want to hold back. And the thing we want to hold back is usually something that that we don't want anybody to know about. Am I right? We all have that secret sin. We all have a sin that we don't realize it's a sin. Which brings us to the point, you know, because some people aren't too clear of what sin is. There's a guy that asked Jesus, I think it was in Matthew 24 thereabouts, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. He said, There's another one that's like it, and it's what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, On these two, hang the entire law. There's six hundred and something laws that the Jewish people follow. And Jesus said, All you need is those two. But we can't even do those two. Because we're in the well. We don't know how. And we haven't grabbed hold of the rope. But when we grab hold the rope, we let Jesus pull us up out of the well into the light. And he only has to do it once. When we fall into the well, he's not crucifying himself again. I'm, that's the enemy and me messing up. Church talk, messing up. We all mess up. What do we do when we mess up? The enemy says, see, you messed up. Maybe you're not really saved. That doesn't mean that. That means you're human. That means you're affected by things that that come at you all the time if it was left to mess ups I'm glad she's not in here because she'd be shaking her head I mess up a lot I think things I shouldn't think I see things I shouldn't see I hear things I shouldn't hear sometimes I think I should go back to that children's song be careful little eyes what you see be careful little ears what you hear I think that applies to grown-ups even more than it does to our children. Y'all with me on that? But when when I hear something I shouldn't be hearing, when I think something I shouldn't be thinking, I'm not responsible for how long I, you know, for what happens, but how long I let it happen. I can stop. I can choose to stop listening to something. I can choose to stop looking at something. I can choose to stop repeating something. Y'all with me on that, church? Too many times we repeat stuff we shouldn't repeat. I'm becoming more and more convinced that our tongue, and it says in the Bible is, is the most treacherous part of our body. With that, we can build up. With it, we can tear down. And we do way more tearing than we do building. We should proceed. Verse 2, Otherwise they would not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleaned, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible for things we do that we think are going to please God to take away our sins. Jesus takes away our sins at the cross when we ask him into our hearts. It's not rocket surgery. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, And this is from Psalms 40. Jesus is quoting quoting stuff about himself in, in the scriptures. Jesus knew the Bible. He wrote it. But Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it's written in the scroll of the book. When he said the above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. And these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Sanctified. I was always taught that means to be set apart. Anybody else get that definition when you're going to Bible school? You did? It means a little bit more than that as I've studied this word. Sanctified does mean to be set apart, but there's more. Sanctified to be set apart for, your, for the, its intended purpose. So if I've come to Jesus, I've been sanctified, set apart for an intended purpose. Well, Bill, what's that intended purpose? I'm so glad you asked. To love God and let him live in you. To love God, let him live in me. Sometimes I go places where I see things and do things, and I've forgotten that God is with me everywhere I go. Sometimes there's things on TV, especially if you have to stream, if you're streaming things, that hits you totally unexpected, and God is with me. When I'm watching those things, when those things pop up on my TV screen, intentional or unintentional, it doesn't matter. And then you fumble for the fast forward, or you do what you do. The filth is coming at us from every single direction. When I was growing up, and a couple of y'all remember the 60s and 70s, you did not use the kind of language that we hear all the time. Everywhere we go. And now on network TV, they're taking the name of our God in vain. The channels we get for free if you have a rep set of rabbit ears or an antenna. Filth on that. If you want to be safe, you've got to go back to the black and white times when I grew up. And watch Bonanza or I Love Lucy. Andy Griffith show. Oh, yeah. You can get a lot of good life lessons from Andy Griffith. Am I right, Bill? Sacrifices and offerings you haven't desired. We think we're doing things for God. We show up at the pantry. We show up, you know, at the places we show up. We, we go to kids' camp, and we help out there. And we think, oh, man, I'm getting points from God on this one. And I prayed with 14 kids. That ought to be at least worth 10 points, you reckon? You know, because we have this idea from, some, from the world's where we get the idea. We have this idea that, that God's keeping score. I don't remember it seeing that in here. It says nothing about keeping score. What he wants is a commitment. doesn't want sacrifices. He doesn't want lip service. He could care less who's standing up here today, you know, breaking this down. Somebody will be up here breaking this down. But the thing is, what's important is what it says. And then if we receive it and if we apply it. Now, every single thing. Thing. Anybody have anything bad happen to them? You know, yeah. Most of the bad things that have happened in my life have been a result of a bad choice that I made. Think about it. Anybody ever made a bad choice and had a, a not-so-pleasant result? So, if I think that through, if I made a good choice... Did I have a better result? Generally, this word is full of suggestions, actually commandments, on the choices we should make. And it tells you the blessings that you will receive when you make the correct choices that the book says to make. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's Really excellent outcomes when we do that. And then it says what the outcomes are if you do not follow the commands of this book. And none of those are good. We call those consequences. If I look back on, let's just call it 60 years, because I was probably six before I started making my own bad decisions. All right, five. Who can remember that? But every time I got punished, it was because I did something disobedient, something that was against the rules. And I grew up in the day when you got whoopings. anybody remember whoopings? Some the girls in my family, my sisters got spankings. My brother and I, we got whoopings. The difference is in a hand, or a belt, or a switch. And that's because we were usually unrepentant. My brother was really, really, really unrepentant, and he would he wouldn't appreciate the effort the parents were taking to punish him. He wouldn't yell or cry as suitably. I figured out real quickly, if you yell and switch it to the parent it was like applause then. They thought they were doing a good job with the punishment and they'd quit quicker. My brother, oh, that don't hurt. Yes, it will. Just saying. It's like we deserve punishment. We we relive our sin and do the consequences for some reason, something inside us, and it's probably the devil, says, You know, you don't deserve this. You deserve to be punished. You You don't deserve the good things in life. You don't deserve the blessings. Jesus says, You deserve the blessings. He says, Let me live in you. He didn't say it was going to be safe or easy. He did say it was going to be good. Remember Narnia from the other day, y'all? When they met Jesus as a lion? Is he safe? No. He's never safe. But he's always good. And I don't know about you guys, but I like good. Everybody likes good. we got to move on. Sanctified, set apart for the intended purpose. The intended purpose is to let Christ live in me. Verse 11, And every priest stands daily at his service. Every priest does what? Stands. Y'all help me. Stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for under his feet. For by a single offering he is perfected for all time. (laughs) Those who are being sanctified, set apart for their intended purpose. When Jesus made the sacrifice, he sat down. When we finish our jobs, when, we finish, when I finish cutting the grass, I sit down. When we finish working at our labors, we sit down. We use that, we sanctify, sit down on a sanctified chair. When you sit on it, you're using that chair for its intended purpose. We're sanctifying our chairs. That's a real deal, y'all. The priest never got to sit down. Jesus gets to sit down because he's taken care of it once and for all. We've got to remember that. Jesus paid it all, he did it all, and because of that, we can be free from now on. He has already won the battle. Verse 15, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. So, I don't need the Ten Commandments. I don't need somebody to tell me You need to go to church, you need to check the box, you need to put money in there, you need to serve on the praise team, you need to serve on the prayer team, you need to help out with the kids, you need to teach a Sunday school class, you need to attend a Sunday school class. I don't need that. I need to offer up a sincere, surrendered heart to God. I need to be desperate for Him. When the world hits me full speed ahead, I need to realize where my strength does come from. I need to realize that the enemy is a liar. He is always a liar, and God is always good. Say it with me. God is always good. Some of y'all mean it. God is always good, and the devil is always bad. Let's try to remember that. I will put the law on their hearts and write them on their minds. How, long, how much time do we spend thinking about God? First thing in the morning, anybody? Last thing at night? Or do we spend our last few minutes g- trying to go to sleep, thinking about the mess up we did during the day? I've done that. Oh, man, I, I should have done this. Doing the coulda, shoulda, wouldas? Anybody ever had those, the coulda, shoulda, wouldas? I could have done that. I should have done that. I would have done that if I thought about that. I don't like the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. So what are you what, I try, I fail frequently, I succeed rarely, but I try. I'm a work in progress, not perfection. And so I I try to say, before I get up, because I heard a preacher, I read a preacher say one time, seek the face of God before you see the face of man. So before I open my eyes, I say, thank you. I get another chance to do something right today. So show me your will in my life today. I said, please just be inside every part. Let me surrender all of myself to you. And help me not to take it back. And then I usually take it back, but sometimes it takes longer. And then I realized, I said, okay, I need to, you can pray and resurrender As many times as you need to throughout the day, as soon as you realize that the world's encroaching upon your peace with God, then you can say, oh, I need to start this deal over. God, help me. And he is faithful to help you. Give me the wisdom. Give me your eyes to see. Give me your ears to hear. Give me your mouth to speak or to shut up. That's usually the one I need. I really need to get the spiritual gift to shut up, Bill, before you say something you shouldn't. It's just me, y'all. I'll put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. So, so things that used to be okay, maybe not so much are okay anymore. This used to be so much fun. What up with that? As, as Christ grows and as, as, he, as, as we give him more and more control of our lives, we get to experience more and more of the blessings, of the joy that we have by being committed and surrendered, surrendered to him. Sixteen years ago, when I I told God, I said, I can't do this by myself anymore. I, I give it all to you. After that, at that particular time in my life, my marriage was not all that great because of me and my behavior. And so what I had to do, I said, I said, God, she's yours. She don't belong to me. My kids, they're yours. They don't belong to me. Help me become the kind of man that my family deserves. Live in me so that I can become the man you have created me to be so that I'm sanctified and used to my intended purpose. My intended purpose to be a good father. My intended purpose of being a good husband. My intended purpose of being a good brother. My intended purpose of all the things we talk about. God is faithful and good to deliver. And I encourage each and every one of you who, t- who say this prayer where you surrender your life, where you surrender your stuff, where you surrender your job, where you surrender your family, your wife, your kids, your husband. At that point, don't quit. Don't quit until the miracle happens because God has a plan for each and every one of us. And it may seem like it's just around, you know, it's insurmountable. It's too far away. It's, it's too high up the mountain. Don't quit. Take one step after the other because when the miracle happens, you'll look back and see it's been happening every day, every day, every day, every night for a long, long time. And you didn't see the process and the progress that God was making in your life because you're too close to it. And then one day somebody might say to you, Dude, you're different than you used to be. Honey, you're different than you used to be. And you never saw the difference. You don't see the change because you're too close to it. I'm closing, but if you don't believe that you don't see the change in you as, as, as you grow and as you go, just be faithful in doing those things that God wants you to do. Don't give up because I don't see the changes in me. I took a motorcycle trip a few years ago going through the hill country, and there's a really cool place where there's a lot of switchbacks, and, and you're riding through there, and there's a camera, and it catches you right when you're in a really cool lean. Any motorcycle riders? You know, you've seen those? And and you know the camera's up there because there's a sign that so there's gonna be a camera, go to so-and-so.com and you can check out your picture. So I did that. And I was so excited when I got home, and I pull up the internet and I go to you know your picture on the motorcycle.com, whatever it is, and I'm scrolling through, I'm scrolling through, and scrolling through. and I say, okay, there's Tom, okay, he was in the lead that day, and then there's Larry, and there's David, yeah, who's that guy? And there's there's Ben. I didn't see my picture. And so I went back through him again. There's Tom, there's Larry, there's David. Who's that guy? And then there's Ben. So I pulled back and I zoomed down the picture. It was me and I had gotten so fat. Oh, heck no. I'm not buying this picture. My belly was on my gas tank. The vision I had of myself was not what it showed in the picture. Now, that was a bad example. The vision you'll have yourself will be the picture of the, ga- the belly on the gas tank. But God changes that, and people don't see the belly on the gas tank. They see the Jesus that's living in you, that's growing in you. True story. Like 98.9% of my stories are true. You live a long time, you get some true stories. Am I right, Dave? Most of them we can't tell from church. Uh- <laughs> Verse 18, and we're finished. For there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. We don't have to check the box anymore. Praise team, come up. We don't have to check the box anymore. We just need to be all in, surrender a little bit. During the first song, it's our custom to have a couple of people come down there. Come here to the front to pray with anybody who wants to be prayed with. You don't have to come down here. This is, it's not a formal thing. If you want somebody to pray with you, come down. If you, want, if you know somebody here that you'd like to get with and pray, go sit by that person. Hey, I need you to pray for me about this. If you just want to talk to somebody, take them out back and talk to them. I mean, this is, we're family. We're here to lift each other up. We're here to love each other. And we're here to help each other grow.